You're listening to the premier podcast for men who want to not only be better with women, but want to be better men in general. This is the Come On Man podcast. And here's your host, Paul Bauer. Happy New Year, guys. I hope you had a very safe celebration. Welcome to the new revamped version of Come On Man. If you noticed, I have a new intro. It's pretty sweet, right? Hired a professional, profesh, to record that. He also recorded uh, the outro as well. So stay tuned for that at the end. Uh, I wanted to change things up this year. One of the things a lot of you guys know is that this podcast was born out of the 3% Man Facebook group. And that group was a group of students of Corey Wayne's book, How to Be a 3% Man. And since this podcast was born out of that group, this podcast was essentially a Corey Wayne fan podcast where I initially would have other guys that were on the 3% path come on and share their stories. But over the course of 2021, this podcast has become so much more than just a Corey Wayne based podcast. I mean, we've had all sorts of guests on Um, the whole year. Last year, I was talking about, my holy trinity of dating books, right? Which not only included Corey's work, it included uh, Dr. Robert Glover's work. It included Christopher Canwell's work. Um, I've also had episodes talking about building wealth. I've had millionaires on. I've had real estate professionals on, right? So this podcast stopped being so much about Corey Wayne specifically started being more about being a better man in general. So I sort of had this epiphany, right? I made this last ditch effort to try to get Corey Wayne on my podcast. And so I I created a social media campaign. I asked a bunch of people to go out and retweet some stuff because I noticed that Corey was spending time on Twitter. And man, I had well over, you know, six or 700 retweets of this tweet, just asking Corey, how do I book you for a podcast with nothing, just crickets. I mean, I still saw that Corey was tweeting every day, but nothing, you know, and you could tell it was him too, because it wasn't just tweeting about his YouTube stuff or his books. He was commenting on people's news punditry and whatever, because he's very political. And so I knew he was active on there and it was definitely him as opposed to, you know, Facebook and Instagram where it's strictly just about his work. And, uh, but yeah, crickets. And then some guys from the 3% man Facebook group community tried to help me out. And they went to one of his videos and left a whole bunch of comments saying, Hey, you know, Paul Bauer from the come on man podcast has been trying to get your attention. He wants you to come on his podcast you know, hit him up on Twitter. And some guys sent me some links to that video. So I went and checked it out and Corey had deleted all of their stuff, you know? And what's really unfortunate about that is that we're giving Corey free advertising. I'm doing it right now. And for him to sort of just completely, you know, scoff and brush us off like that, it's, it's, I mean, he doesn't owe us anything. And I recognize that, but 
for him to just completely do that is it's kind of just I don't know I would say it speaks to his character a little bit especially when other people like Dr. Robert Glover came on the podcast uh Rollo Tomasi was on the po- the podcast like those guys are big names in the space but they don't have big egos and they're more than welcome or they're more than happy I should say to come and and talk to other guys that are trying to learn this stuff so to me, I feel like those guys have much more character. You know what I mean? And on top of that, maybe this will come across as sounding bitter, but Corey, his books, even though like, I feel like his books are good, you know, I mean, 3% Man's, it's a spectacular book, but he used a ghostwriter to write it. So, I mean, is it even really his work? You know, I mean, Rolla Tomasi wrote his own stuff. Dr. Robert Glover wrote his own stuff. You know what I mean? My guest that I have today wrote his own stuff. <laughs> so that's a segue. Let's talk about my guest today. We have a dating coach. Uh, he's a pretty interesting guy. In fact, I wasn't sure what to think because I'd never really heard of him before, but he is a number one bookseller. Uh, he's written three books. Uh, relationship boot camp, attracting lasting love, and a drink with legs. His name is Roy Bianca Lana, and he's also a former PGA Tour golf player, which is fascinating to me. But sometime later in his forties, you know, roughly my age, I, I feel like we all sort of come to an epiphany around the same time, don't we? Uh, he went on a quest much, much like us. He ended up hiring a dating coach and decided to become a dating coach himself. And it's a, it's a fascinating story. So I will bring you that conversation with Roy Bianca Lana right after these words. Your brain needs support and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I'm not sure what you're doing tonight, but what I'm doing involves a bottle of Carvassier and a lady. Well, maybe not the Carvassier, but definitely a lady. If you're like me, you're tired of expensive, girly-smelling colognes from expensive department stores. You don't want to smell like a little bitch. You want to smell like a friggin' man. That's why I've partnered with Duke Cannon. Duke Cannon has a wide range of men's grooming products that actually smell manly as hell. My personal favorites are their Naval Supremacy Bar Soap and all of their awesome smelling colognes that women love. I have several of their colognes for different days of the week, but my Saturday night cologne is Grant because it gets the job done, if you know what I mean. Right now, if you visit duke.comeonmanpod.com, you get free shipping on orders over $25. Using duke.comeonmanpod.com tells them I sent you and you get free shipping. Win-win. Again, that's duke.comeonmanpod.com. Don't smell like a little bitch. All right, joining me this week is a dating and personal growth expert, a number one best-selling author of books like Relationship Bootcamp, Attracting Lasting Love, and A Drink with Legs. I like that title. Roy is also a certified relationship coach. That's quite a lot there, Roy. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Yeah, that's quite a bit, quite a mouthful. I'm glad to be here and have this conversation. 
Yeah, me too. I, I, I thought it was, uh, it was great that uh, your team reached out to me. So I, I, my first question though, is because this has come up before I, I have a lot of like dating coaches and stuff that come on the podcast, uh-huh. but you're a, a certified relationship coach. And so I was wondering what exactly does that mean? And how does one get certified? Yeah. Well, I went through like a two year program, Okay, you know, studying, you know, how to live consciously, how to coach consciously, how to build a business, that kind of stuff, you know? So it's like getting a master's degree. Oh, was it? Okay. Mm-hmm. Is that through like through a college or something or is that? No, I got of- it through an organization called the conscious leadership group. Conscious. Okay. All right. Yeah, Interesting. 15, 20 years ago, long time. Okay. Yeah. Been doing this for a while then. Yes, I have. <laughs> so you were a marketing major in college and yeah. a PGA tour golf player. Right. How did you get into relationship coaching? <laughs> yeah. Well, I've had two passions in my life. One has been golf and the other has been kind of spiritual, relational sort of understanding. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm still a professional golfer. I still play in a, you know some local tournaments here in Chicago during the summertime and so forth is just kind of a, you know, it's kind of a big hobby, you know, not a little hobby. It's kind of a big hobby, but it's still kind of a hobby because <laughs> yeah. this is my, my day job. Um, you know, they weren't really that intertwined. Um, it just got to be around when I was about 47, I was kind of getting past my prime, you know, with golf and thinking of it as a career forever. Cause I really wasn't good enough at that time to play on the senior tour and stuff like that. And so, um, I was open to the next phase of my life. And then right in the middle of all of that is when I went through all kinds of relationship drama, a lot of things that I had been avoiding and not paying attention to for years sort of to come up and bubble up at that time. So I went through a divorce uh, with my first wife who I was with for 19 years, right? Mm -hmm. So that relationship turned into like a platonic co-parenting thing, you know, that we were like brother, sister, there was no man, woman stuff. Right. Yeah. So went through a divorce. And of course I just rebounded immediately into the opposite kind where it was like all sex and everything, which at the time was really great for me because it had been a long time. Isn't it funny how that happens though? (laughs) We really, unless, unless you come out of a relationship and take a moment to actually ask yourself, how am I responsible for what happened and what can I learn and what do I need to work on within myself? You're liable to either attract the same kind of thing again, or just yo-yo to the opposite thing and end up, you know, with more drama in your life, which is why I think the stats show that a second marriage is like 70% more likely to end in divorce. And that's just because we just run from from one person to another and we don't learn lessons and then we just take our baggage with us and we just recreate things and so forth. But right in the middle of that, that next relationship, we were in, we got engaged after two and a half years and she dumped me about six months before the wedding. Mm -hmm. And that sent me into what I really consider to be like a year long midlife crisis. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was in the tank. I mean, I couldn't sleep. I mean, obsessive thoughts, heart palpitations, I became a lousy father for a while there. My my profession suffered at the time. And so right in the middle of that, a friend just wisely suggested that maybe I needed to talk to someone about, you know, my love life and what was going on there. 
because, and this is now it's so funny, Paul, to, to, to think back on this, but back then I seriously thought that all of my love life issues were their fault. I really did. I really thought, oh, my ex-wife was this. Oh, my ex-fiance was that. And all these crazy women I meet online, you know, it never occurred to me that I was the common denominator in all the pictures. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so when I started to ask that question, I hired a coach basically to help me see what maybe I was missing about myself. Was there a blind spot? Was my childhood conditioning affecting my love life? Did I, you know, what was going on with me that I was not able to make a relationship with a woman work? And so I spent about two years doing that kind of work on myself. And it was so transformative because I was able to meet and date and fall in love with the woman I've been with now for almost 14 years. When I came out of that kind of self-discovery process, I had found what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. Like I want to help other people. Like I want to be for other people what my coach was for me. Mm-hmm. Because she just she forced me to ask questions about myself, to look at myself, to look at the way I was raised, to look at what I believed and and to look at the way I handle emotions and the way I communicated. She forced me to go in here and quit pointing the finger at all the women. Yeah. <laughs> um And that so changed my life because I really did discover that although all the women did have their own issues, I was really a big part of the disasters. And so I made changes in that regard. And then it it changed my whole life. So I just love to work with people now who are at their wits end. Like, Mm -hmm. why can't this work? I mean, maybe I'm successful professionally, but the intimate relationship thing is a nightmare. It's not it's not happening. And when they're teachable like that, because I eventually became teachable where I dropped the idea that it was all the woman's fault. Yeah. (laughs) Great things can really happen because the change for my love life is not because I tell people I wasn't special. Like God didn't smile on me. It was because I asked certain questions and I looked in certain places. And if you do the same, which is what I do with my clients, you can have the same results. Because it's the process that's repeatable. Mm-hmm. It's nothing. I didn't get lucky, right? I just worked in certain areas, and that's why I do what I do now. Yeah, I think I feel like a lot of guys uh, like us are sim- similar stories, right? Like I, I had a similar yeah. story. I was married for fourteen years, and I found myself back on the dating circuit, and I was just floundering, didn't know what I was doing. Eleven months later, I found a, a, a gal that was just super forward. And I needed that because I didn't know what I was doing. Ended up just, you know, settling with her for four and a half years. That ended a couple of years ago. And I was in the same boat. I was like, but but I looked at it differently. I was like, what am I doing wrong? <laughs> I can't keep these women around. Right. And so that sort of led me on a, a very similar journey and uh, yeah. reading you, books. You, and yeah. Right. You made the fundamental shift. Mm-hmm. You're never going to get a change in your life. I don't care whether it's professional or personal until you stop blaming and you start asking, what am I doing that I'm missing? What, what, what do I not know about myself? What's unconscious? Yeah. Um, because then when you do that, you, you, you will find that there are some things there. And then when you change, all of a sudden, the whole picture of your life starts to change because you're showing up with different attitudes and beliefs and commitments and so forth. Yeah. It's, uh, 
it's a really big thing. And I see a lot of people that, uh, that follow me on social media and stuff like that. They just, and I tell them too, like, Hey, like, like you said that you're the common denominator and they just have this mental block to it. And I'm like, yeah. well, as soon as you take some ownership, cause you yeah. can only change yourself. You can't change other people. Yeah. What we're talking about sounds easy, but it really is hard for the ego. I mean, the ego does not want to look in the mirror. It really loves to point the finger and say, what did you do to me <laughs> instead of taking ownership? That That's hard to swallow it. And I guess you, you just have to get to that place where you maybe go through enough pain mm-hmm. where you start to entertain that maybe I'm doing something that I'm not missing, <laughs> that right. I'm missing. So Exactly. I get, also, I get a women sometimes in the comments too, when I, I talk about you know, the, the nature and psychology of women, sometimes they don't like hearing it. And then they ask, oh, who hurts you? And it's like, well, honestly, <laughs> I mean, a couple of women did. And that's why yeah. I know this stuff. Cause I, yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah. it was a catalyst for my growth. You know, you shouldn't, it's not an insult to me. Right. Um, right. One thing, one thing I noticed uh, with guys who are in the space is that, that we all have our influences. You mentioned that you had a coach. Uh, are there any other mm-hmm. like big names in the space or, 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 books that you read, you know, that have influenced your personal philosophy and coaching stuff? You know, it was more of working with people than books back at that time, because I, I needed someone to ask me questions that I was never thinking to ask myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, you can see there's a bookshelf behind me. I mean, I, I read a, a book or two a, a week usually, right? So I read a ton, but at the time, it wasn't, it wasn't a book time. It was a time to have someone take me on a journey of Mm self-discovery. Now, since then there are, you know, there are quite a few, a few books and they're not necessarily about relationships that have really impacted me. Mm -hmm. They're more about books that have just have to do with your own spiritual and, and, and sort of growth as a man. So a book like The Way of the Superior Man by mm. David Data. It's yep. just this phenomenal. Uh, a book like The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer, right? Okay. These don't have to, they're not really about relationships. They're about me. <laughs> they're about the ego. They're about the things going on in me that keep me from relating authentically and openly and, you know, to be able to trust and and that kind of stuff. So, I think sometimes the most work that we really have to do is not so much on give me some skills on how to deal with her, right? Mm-hmm. Like in the moment techniques, or sure. it's more of the growth that has to happen from the way we're seeing the world yeah. and the place we're operating from. And once we kind of deal with the inside, like the skill stuff is really not that difficult once you start of work a little bit more on you. Does that make sense? It does make sense. One one thing uh, I've noticed on this path though, and maybe you've noticed the same thing. I feel like when guys get into this and they want to know how to be better with women, it it all the skills that it takes to be better with women tends to make you a better man all around in general, because those are the types of qualities that women are attracted to, or, you know, guys with- right certain status or whatever. And you end up having, you go on this path and next thing you know, your, your business relationships are doing better and right. all, all it sort of impacts all areas of your life. Right. It, it really is true. But I think the real value in a man is his ability to be present in the moment. 
right? Mm-hmm. Now we could spend hours unpacking what that means in practical everyday kind of things. But one of the things that the feminine enjoys the most is to be seen, to be, um, to be gotten. You know, mm-hmm. if a woman ever says to you, you get me, mm-hmm. or I think my, my boyfriend, he really gets me. Well, you're in because the feminine is radiance, right? It wants to be seen. It wants to be sort of um, taken in a way. And that's what happens when you're present, when you're not distracted, when you're, you're all there, when you're with her, you're really with her, right? You're paying attention from your mind as to what she's saying. You're paying attention from your heart as to what is she feeling. You're even paying attention from your gut. Like, what is she wanting? Like, you're really present. And that quality, though, works in the boardroom, too. Like, I'm all here. And, I'm, and it, it, it creates a kind of trust. Mm-hmm. And if people don't trust you, you're not going to go anywhere professionally. You really aren't going to go anywhere with, with, with a decent woman. There are some women, like there are some men who are sort of off their game. There are some <laughs> women who can maybe get turned on by a guy they can't trust. Uh-huh. You know, like he's like that bad boy type, but it, but it really never ends up going anywhere. Sure. If you want something substantial, you've, you've got to be a person of some integrity, some trust, some presence. And then people will give you their hearts. They'll give you their money. <laughs> they will, they will get in partnership with you, whether it's personally or professionally. And so when I'm working with men, that's a lot of what we talk about is what does it mean to be present, especially with a woman? And most of us don't have any training in that, Yeah. right? Most of us, we, don't, we didn't have dads that knew much about it because nobody taught them either. Schools don't teach us this. Churches don't teach this. Society really doesn't teach it. Um, so, but that's, that's a humongous issue. Yeah, I would agree with that. That's probably also one of the hardest things that I personally deal with. Cause I, I have so much going on in my world that, uh, when I'm, when I'm with my, my girlfriend, like sometimes I'm, I'm thinking about stuff outside the relationship. I have to force myself back and go, no, you're with her right now. Yeah. And, uh, so that's, that's constantly, yeah. and, and she can tell, can't she? <laughs> I'm sure she can. She hasn't said anything yet, but yeah. she's, it's uh, so easy. You're, you're talking yeah. with her and you're in your head and you're at work or you're, you know, you know, who are the bears playing? Who are the bears <laughs> going to lose to this Sunday? I'm yeah. in Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> right. So you're not actually there. And, right. and my wife can kind of feel like, where are you? And it, you know, it hurts. Yeah. Right. It's one thing if you say, Hey babe, I got to focus on a project or something and I can't be with you right now. Okay. I think they understand that, Mm -hmm. but when you're with her, but you're not with her, uh, that drives them insane. Right. Um, So it'd be just the same as a business environment. You're, you're there at a business lunch, but you're not really there. You're, you're kind of playing golf in your head or something. (laughs) Right. Yeah. It's it's just rude. I think for anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So on your site, uh, coachingwithroy.com, you offer video courses boot camps, as well as, you know, your, your coaching practice. I, but I was curious, what's the difference between your, your courses and your boot camps? Well, the courses are all video stuff, right? They're studio quality, professionally done e-courses. So you get a username and a password and you can log in and log out and watch the videos. And there's little questions at the end to apply what you're learning. Um, and then, the the boot camp would be a live group coaching program. Oh, it's right? live. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Via via Zoom, right? So, and I do those on a number of occasions throughout the year. I'm probably going to do one like in February. 
So you can always okay. check coachingwithroy.com. And you know, the group thing is great because they're usually small between eight and 10 people. So you do get some, you get some, some attention, but the price isn't as much as the one-on-one stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's always a trade-off. I, I tell people since I'm such a golfer in my past, yeah, the difference between a golf lesson with eight other students and one teacher, okay, it might be way cheaper, but you're not going to get that much individual attention. It might be worth you paying a bit more and it's only you and your instructor <laughs> so that it's all about you. Right. So you kind of have to weigh that and weigh the costs and you know that kind of stuff. But yeah, I, I offer all, all kinds of I mean, books and different resources and, and um, yeah, the one-on-one stuff though is really where the action happens. I find that's my experience. I, yeah, I'm sure. I would say though, that I uh, like in a group environment like that, uh, I would imagine people are able to ask questions and stuff like that. Oh yeah, I think yeah. like stuff like that's really helpful because then you have other students that have different experiences from you, or you've experienced it, but uh, maybe you didn't bring it up in the course, and they ask a question about it, and you know, sort yes. of they can sort of compare notes within the class too. That's valuable. Yeah, very true. There's a saying that's that's that goes, the more personal something is, the more universal it is. So when you're in a group, when somebody asks a question, chances are you're like, yeah, yeah, I, I want to ask that question too. Like, so you can learn from each other. That's, you know, the group dynamic you can, you can, and then hear whatever answers or whatever group discussion there is from different perspectives, um, you know, and it can be sort of fun if, if the leader of the group kind of knows how to keep it a little light and playful, yet we're talking about a serious topic, <laughs> which right. I hope I can do, but sometimes you never know. So yeah. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Um, let me ask you this. What is the biggest challenge men have with dating? Do you think, do you think it's the presence thing or, or something else? Yeah, that's one of them. Um, I would say like in my newest book, relationship bootcamp, which where is it? There it is right there. Mm-hmm. Um, I talk about, it's like a, a workout motif, right? That little metaphor, right? And I talk about seven relationship muscles that need to be strong. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to be in good relationship shape if you want to go the distance. Like if you're going to run a triathlon, you need to be in pretty good shape if you want to go the distance. Mm-hmm. So in a relationship, you need to be pretty relationally fit if you want to make it work and and work it to a really beautiful level. And so I identify these seven relationship muscles. And there's two of them that I could, with guys be sort of general besides the presence issue. That's probably number one, but your relationship to your emotions for us guys. Okay. Um, We don't come from the factory wired emotionally like women usually. Okay. That's pretty sexist and pretty broad statement. Forgive me, but generally speaking, women are a little bit more comfortable, at least in the emotional realm. Their chances are they're maybe a little bit more skilled probably because they were raised, right? Mm -hmm. Little girls, they don't get in trouble for being sad or being scared. They might get in trouble for being angry, right? But when they're emotional, it's like, oh, sweetheart, right? But when a a boy is emotional, it's like, don't be a pussy, Mm -hmm. right? Be tough, fuck up, quit crying. I'll give you something to cry about, right? So we learn to sort of stuff those emotions, like they're not necessarily okay. Well, then we, we grow up and we meet this emotional creature and- we can't, we don't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. We don't know how to handle the flood that comes our way from her. Right. 
And we don't know what to do with our emotions. And they end up coming out a lot of times for guys. We end up expressing all emotions as like anger mm-hmm. because that's the only one that we're kind of comfortable with because we're not really comfortable saying to someone, I'm, I feel scared or I'm sad. So everything just seems to come out as kind of an angry kind of thing. So learning to be more emotionally intelligent for a guy is essential if you want to relate to a woman. Right? Mm-hmm. I, I sometimes joke, I'm like, you know, if, if, if you want to be able to relate with someone that's sort of like you, well, then be gay, right? I guess not wrong. Then be, <laughs> be right. with another guy, right? But if you want to be with a woman, you're going to have to raise your game a little bit to be able to know how to handle her emotions and not just say, oh, you need to go talk to your sister about that stuff. Oh, uh, you know, you need to go, you know, go, 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 go to a therapist or something. <laughs> you right. do that and you're going to be single, right? <laughs> so we need to know how to handle their emotions. And, and then, of course, how do we reveal ours? And I'm convinced that most women are not expecting you to be like Oprah. They're not expecting a guy to be like their girlfriend, where you just bleed all your feelings and stuff all the time. I don't think they would really like that. Yeah, I feel like if you did that, they will friend zone you pretty quick. Yeah, they, yeah. they wouldn't feel like I can trust you. There's a sense of yeah. the masculine that like, even in the midst of a storm or if you're emotional, I can count on you to be my rock. Yeah. Right. There's not a man in the world has ever said, oh, my wife is my rock. Well, maybe. Right. Usually that's what a woman says about a guy. He's my rock. Like I can I can stand on him when things are going nuts. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean they they don't want us to be like the tin man either. Right. Yeah. Where you know, knock on the heart. There's nothing in there. Right. So there's this ability to find your feelings and know what they are and be able to bring them forth in a relationship. Uh, in a way where she can feel your emotional connection. And just most of us just need, we just need help with that. Right? Yes. Same way of being present. We just need, how do I do that? What, is, what does it look like? How do, are there practices that I can do to be pre- Like being a golfer, if you want to be a better golfer, I can give you drills, right? Well, yeah, right. there's drills on being present. There's drills on how to be emotionally intelligent, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So, and then the other one would be dealing with your past. Just like what you said earlier, that you've been hurt. In some some past things, those things leave scars, right? They leave bruises. They can have a tendency to make you be a little guarded or maybe a little suspicious or maybe even to put a wall up because you don't want to get hurt again, right? It's just a natural reflex to, to protect yourself from more pain. And so we can develop some trust issues when people have cheated on us or betrayed us or lied to us or seem to you know gaslight us or ghost us and right. There's nothing wrong with having baggage. I often joke the only ones without baggage are the babies in the maternity ward. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's like everybody's got baggage. So what do you do with it? If you're kind of, if it's still alive in you and it's still, yeah, if it's still sort of present and alive in you, it's going to come between you and this new person that you're meeting or the person you're trying to relate with it. I, again, I joke, it's like a menage a trois from hell. It's <laughs> you and her and your past. Or you and her and her past. Right. Right. So the ability, how you relate to your past is huge. Um, Because, yeah, you'll bring some of those hurts and those pains. You'll end up projecting it onto your partner. Like I often just use an extreme example. If the four four last women you've ever been with cheated on you, your four last significant, and they all cheated on you. When you meet 
Susie, I mean, you cannot help, but are you going to cheat on me too? Mm-hmm. You're going to, you're going to relate to her through your past, right? which might not be fair to Susie. Susie might be a really honest, great person, but you might not give her the chance or you, you might kind of come off with some sort of attitude or some sort of energy that might turn her off um, because you haven't learned how to let go of the past pain. Mm-hmm. So a great golf illustration for a lot of us guys that probably understand golf, all of golf psychology, because I've worked with all the sports psychologists and so forth. All of it is basically teaching you how do you hit the next shot with a clean emotional slate? That is the totality of, of, of sports psychology. How do I make the next free throw or the next at bat or the next pitch or the next golf shot or the next tennis serve? How do I play the next point? as if nothing's ever happened in the past. I'm just present. I'm here and I'm not hitting this shot. Well, the last one went to the right. So I don't want to do that. Well then, you know what I mean? It's, so you, you have to clear away that stuff so that you can just be here now. And then your skills can just be naturally flowing. Right. Well, that is so true in relationship. If you're <laughs> in relationship, but it's actually all your other spouses or your ex are in this relationship too. <laughs> <laughs> right. And we do it. Women do it. We all do this with each other. And it, yeah. it sabotages our ability to make a healthy connection. Right. So those, those three things for men, learning to be present, learning to be emotionally intelligent and learning to let go of some past pain. If you do that, I think you're getting close to being in great relationship shape so that when you meet someone, you can go the whole triathlon. You, you can finish the race and go the distance. Got it. Do you coach women too? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, I, mostly women, probably two thirds of my clients. Really? Um, well, it, it, it appears like my it, story is yeah. that, that men are not as open to relationship discussions as women. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, that's a generalization. I don't know if that's true. I've never taken surveys. Yeah. Um, but I would love to work with more men. Because I, to some degree, like with emotions, we might need a little bit more training on that intimate level than say the women do, mm-hmm. you know, at least I did. Right. I mean, I was a kick-ass golfer. I've beaten Tiger Woods in a major back when I was playing full-time. Okay. So I was like really good. Okay. Uh-huh. I'm still, I'm still a plus five if you know handicaps with golf. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I was really competent there. But I wasn't very competent with women right. for the reasons we're talking about here, right? So I think sometimes guys would do better by humbling themselves and saying, man, I, I need to talk about my love life. I need to talk about my feelings. I need to talk about why can't I make a relationship you know, last? I just Because when you do create a good relationship, and a lot of us have had them for at least a time, it's the most amazing thing in the world. Mm-hmm. When you're connecting with the woman that you care about, when the sex is good, when the playfulness is there, when the trust is there, when the mutual support of each other's creativity is there, it's like, there's not much better in the world than that. But also there's not much worse when you're with someone and it's not that way. Mm -hmm. I I, I tell my single clients all the time, the only thing worse than no relationship is a bad one. Right. And we've all probably had those. I know I have. So yeah, I, I, boy, I love to fill my my client sheet with a bunch of men saying, "Help me figure this thing out." <laughs> yeah, well, 
I mean, that, that's pretty much my audience is uh, 96, 97% men. I was yeah. just curious about women. Like if they're, if you know what their biggest challenge was, like if it's something similar or if it's completely different for them. I would say the past issue is there mm-hmm. because too many of us guys are morons, okay? <laughs> including me. Uh-huh. When you read my first book, the one that's above my head there, it's all about, you know, I did some a drink with the legs. Yeah, it's, I had like a relationship addiction, man. I I went from one woman to another and I created so much drama um, and I hurt women by, mm-hmm. by some of the games I played. Um, and it's not uncommon for women to have lots of bruises. Men do too. But I think it's one of the leading issues for women is they have trust issues because mm-hmm. of some of those things. They're, the emotion thing, they're usually... They could use some improvement, but it's not as big a deal. But it's the communication muscle, mm-hmm. I think, for women. Yeah. Men too, but I think for women. They um, sort of expect men to just know what they're thinking and stuff a lot, I find. Yes, there, there is that, which gets into the whole issue. When you're living consciously, you have a commitment within yourself that I want to be a revealer rather than a concealer, mm-hmm. which means I want to make myself known to you. So in your example, if I want something, if I need something, I'm not going to expect you just to kind of figure it out and sort of play that game and then maybe resent you when you don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm going to reveal, I want this. I need this. I, I'm going to be clear with what's happening. Um, and so a lot of, a lot of women, they they want to be vulnerable in relationships. They, they really do. They, they really want to open their heart and and sort of make themselves known, but they have a fear of either being rejected or judged or misunderstood or thought to be, you know, like high maintenance or a drama queen. I was just talking to one of my woman clients today. She's met this guy and she's smitten with him. Okay. And it looks like he is too, but he's from, he's from a long way away. He's from Dallas and she's from New York, Mm. but he is moving to New York. Okay. And She's just, he, he pushed the move date back from, from December to January and she's kind of freaking out. And she's like, you know, I don't want to do a long distance relationship. I, I want to do all that. And I was just, I was just coaching her. Like there's nothing to do here, but simply reveal to him what you're revealing to me. Mm-hmm. You're not blaming him. You're just making up a story that it's going to become January and then February and then March, and you're never going to come here. And I'm getting closer to you and we're sleeping together when you're in town and my heart's starting to go. And I don't know, I, I don't know what, you know, she's making up this future that he, she, he's going to kind of lead her on. Well, I don't know if he's leading you on or not. Yeah. All I can tell you is, do you want to reveal that that's what you're thinking? Not that you're right. Not that he's at fault. He, <laughs> Right. Right. It's just, I'm over here wondering if, if, where's this going? What are we doing? I don't want to be, I don't want to relate. She's like, oh, if I say that, he's going to think I'm just a needy maniac and, and, and I'm going to chase him away. And I'm like, if you tell a guy that you're into, that you really want to see him and you want to be able to see each other on a regular basis, if he's into you, you're not going to chase him away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if he's not into you, then that might, which in that case is probably a good riddance. 
Right? Yeah. But it's the whole idea of if I tell him what a mess I am over here, like I'm really wondering about where does it, where's this relationship going? Because women have all heard the stories about, oh, we got to have that, you know, men resent the, the, the time where the woman says, we need to have a talk. You know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. and that means what, how do you feel about me? Where is this going? They know men don't like that, but yet they really wonder what's going on. And so I'm like, you, if that's truly what's happening inside of you, if, if you decide you want to be an authentic person, then that means you reveal that regardless of what he does with it. Mm-hmm. It's like, I want to live authentically and honestly. And if I'm over here wondering, what are we doing here? Then I'm going to share that with you and see if we can talk it through, right? So um, that's a challenge for women because they they risk that they'll overwhelm a man, which sort of ties into they're recognizing that maybe our emotional ability can't handle it, mm-hmm. right? So they don't want to overwhelm us, but then they hold it back. And she's already talking about, maybe I need to end it with this guy. And I'm like, what are you, what, are you out of your mind? <laughs> it's like, he said he's going to, because he, he, they can't see each other on like six or seven weekends in a row. She's traveling. He's traveling because they both make tons of money. Okay. And they're high powered doing their thing. He's like, no, no, I'm going to fly up on Wednesday, take a couple of days off of work, come in mid, mid, middle of the week. And we're going to hang out a couple of weeks in a row. And I'm like, that girl, he's into you. If he's going to fly from Dallas to New York to spend a day with you because he can't get a weekend right now. If you dump this guy, that's just your. That's your neurosis. That's just your stuff, right? I mean, so that's the kind of thing I think women need to to pay attention to. Um, but yeah, this is more for the guys. We don't want to spend too much time on them. Right. <laughs> Forget <laughs> them. No. Yeah. <laughs> I was just curious about that. I will say one thing about presence. Yeah. yeah. When a man is on his game, and this is going to be a big statement. When a man is on his game, the woman in his life, no matter if it's a first date, or you've been married. She is never confused about what you stand for, what you're about and who and how you feel about her. When you're present, presence means you're creating clarity. Mm-hmm. And when you're with a woman, she's never going to not know how you feel because you're going to make that clear. You know, it could be anything from I'm not ready to be monogamous, I'm not ready to take my profile down, I'm not ready to make that take that step. Okay. That's clear. It's just where you, but, but there's no gains. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but, but perhaps he is feeling like he's ready to be monogamous and to take profiles. He's going to initiate that. This is where I am. This is how I feel about you. This is what I want. How do you feel about it? So anytime a woman has to initiate, what, what are we doing here? Where is this going? You have failed in your role as a masculine being to create clarity and a sense of direction. And we do that because we're afraid if we say, I'm not ready to make a commitment that mm-hmm. she's going to bolt. Interesting. Right? Um, so this, this, uh, this group is form, was formed out of a, a group of men studying. Uh, I, I don't know if you're familiar with him. Um, it's Corey Wayne. I, I've looked up the, the title and the thing. I haven't read the book. Oh, okay. Well, so, so we're all students of Corey Wayne. I mean, we all, we, we dabble everywhere else too. You know, we, we have, we, we like having other dating coaches on get different perspectives. But one mm-hmm. of the things that he teaches in his book is uh, that men shouldn't push for a relationship because sometimes men are a little too over eager to jump into a relationship. 
And sometimes that scares women off. So he recommends just sort of waiting until she brings it up. And usually women are like, we'll bring it up subtly, you know, like, you know, we hang out a lot. Where's this going and stuff. And that's sort of your key to then say, well, what do you mean by that? You know, and (laughs) try to get it out of her. And then, then you can, it's okay to discuss that. What do you, what do you think about that? Yeah. Without having read the book to hear all the nuances, I would fundamentally disagree with that. Okay. I just stand for a whole different version of a man. If you know that you want a relationship, it doesn't mean you have to come off needy and desperate. Okay. It just means you, I look, I look at you and I know you and I want you, I want to be with you. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you feel about this? You know what I mean? So knowing who you are and what you want is not the same as I'm lonely and desperate and I can't handle not having a girlfriend and being the relationship addict that I was, okay, okay. which my first book is all about. Okay. Um, I could not be alone. I jumped, I was never out of an intimate relationship from the age of 16 to 45, not a single day. Yeah. Cause they overlapped, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So I did a few things like that. Um, so I would just stand for if a man knows what he wants and that he is into this girl, it doesn't mean you push her to take a step or to make a commitment that she's not ready. Okay. It just means you reveal to her where your heart is and what you want and how you're feeling. And then you give her the space to say, I'm not ready for that. Or I'm right with you. Mm-hmm. Or what took you so long? <laughs> yeah, right? okay. But I really do think the masculine creates a clarity of, of direction, of purpose. It, it, it removes ambiguity. Got it. Um, okay. Now, sometimes we guys, we don't, we're not sure what we want. But mm-hmm. we can say that, you know, I'm not real. I'm not really sure yet. Um, if a relationship conversation comes up, um, I'd like to go on a few more dates and kind of just spend time together and casually and just get to know each other. Cause I, I don't, I don't want to jump into something cause I've done that. And sometimes I do it prematurely and then that backfires. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm come from the camp of being real simple. Don't okay. play games. Just be honest. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean you're you're being needy. That, that that you know it's yeah. That's a different story. Women, good women, are turned off by a guy that that when she feels like the guy almost can't live without her, kind of uh-huh. thing. Like he really needs her, then she doesn't feel his power. She doesn't feel he's a rock, right? He's silly putty. <laughs> I think uh, I think where where the where Corey's um, method sort of helped me though, because I I was also sort of addicted to relationship, right? Like if I got a girl that agreed with me or agreed to go out on a date with me, I was like, okay, got a live one here. I'm going to focus all my attention on her and okay. I got one date. All right. Let's try to get another date. All right. Well, where are we going here? You know? And I was, (laughs) I was immediately pushing for a relationship. So I felt like right sort of taking a step back and giving it a little more time actually helped me out, but I guess I absolutely. Yeah. Now that, now that you said it that way, I'm tracking with that. Uh-huh. Because that speaks of your own sort of emptiness. Like I need some, I need you to fill this place in me. So the minute I feel a connection, I'm just going to swarm you. Right. Let's go out. Let's do this. And then she can feel like this doesn't feel like kind of healthy chemistry, healthy dance. This feels more like there's something else here yeah. that doesn't feel as psychologically um, trustable. I guess I would say. So in, in, the way you describe it there, yeah, that's more of, I, I, 
it's it's more like I I'm an alcoholic. I haven't had a drink in a month, and I just came across a beer. <laughs> yeah. It's like fill it again, fill they it can, again. They fill can it again. sense that. They can sense that <laughs> right. for sure. I think, right. but like I mean, I've I've completely broken that habit. So I think your your you know your method would work. Yeah, just as fine, you know, because cool. I because I, I'm not that needy man anymore. But sure. <laughs> but I think good for yeah. you. Good for um, girls. Yeah, it is. It's good for them. Um. And one of your YouTube videos, you talk about Groundhog Day relationship syndrome. Yeah. What's, what's that? Yeah, it's the tendency to feel like you are in the same kind of relationship, experiencing the same kinds of problems and patterns and pain over and over and over again. Most people can point to what looks like a pattern that they're in. Like, why do I keep attracting you know, emotionally crazy women or women might say, why do we keep attracting emotionally unavailable men? Why do I keep attracting um, dynamics, you know, where it lasts for two or three months and then it just falls apart. It starts out fast and falls apart. I keep doing that. It's like Groundhog Day, right? Uh So that is a fascinating discussion because I experienced that in my own life. And the best way that I can say that is that remember maybe as a kid you made a puzzle right and puzzles have all the, maybe a thousand piece puzzle and, and every puzzle piece has a shape but it doesn't go with just any other piece it has to find its reciprocal match right it's got to find its perfect match and then it goes together just right so most of us come out of our childhoods and out of our upbringing with kind of a psychological, emotional shape, what I call a relationship persona. We just believe that we've got to be a certain kind of person or do certain things or act a certain way if we're going to feel love or connection or feel safe. So we have this kind of shape. Now, that shape is going to match with some other woman's psychological shape also, and they go together. So this is like we all know the stories of like, it, it's kind of a harsh kind of story, but if a woman grew up where she was being physically kind of beaten and abused, she's been through that kind of horror when she's five, six, seven years old, mm. she can be 45 years old and walk into a bar of a hundred men and she will find the one guy in there that will hit her, mm. right? It's like, like, because he's got that shape. And she's got some shape, like I deserve that on some level, right? I, I mean, yeah. So they, so, so in my own life, here's how it happened in my life. I recognized from my childhood, my mother was uh, kind of good at taking care of the family, but she was emotionally distant. She was kind of harsh and demanding and perfectionistic. And if you wanted to be close to her, you kind of just did it her way. You just kind of dropped your own agenda, your own wants, your own needs, and. If mama ain't happy, nobody's happy. And so you just kind of fulfill her agenda. And what little boy doesn't want to be close to his mother, right? Mm -hmm. It's like your first girlfriend. It's your first connection with the feminine. So, you know, I didn't know at the time, but I was learning that the way you get attention and affection from women is if you sort of make your life be about taking care of theirs, right? If all you do is be a good boy, Roy, if you're, if you're a good boy, Roy, then you get some connection, you get some warmth, right? Mm -hmm. Translate, I'm 45 years old and I'm 
functioning as Roy the rescuer. Like I'm going to make my life be about taking care of yours because I have this inner belief that a woman would never want to be with me unless I was making my life be about taking care of hers. I was right. So I kept meeting damsels in distress, women who had real high powered, successful careers working 60 to 80 hours a week. Mm-hmm. Okay. Killing it. But they were single mothers and they couldn't manage raising their kids and managing their household and their career. They were overwhelmed and they were stressed out. And here comes Roy, the rescuer. Oh, baby, I will. I will raise your kids. I'll do their laundry. I'll clean your house. I'll do the shopping. I'll vacuum. I'll wash your car. I'll cut your grass. I'll be your masseuse. I'll be your therapist. I will make my life being about taking care of yours. If you kind of make your life be about taking care of me, if you know what I mean. Okay. So it was Roy, the rescuer fitting the the puzzle pieces with Debbie, the damsel. Mm -hmm. Do you see how that goes together? Yeah. Right. So I kept the thing I was telling my coach early on, why do I keep attracting these women who need me to kind of take care of them all the time? I'm starting to resent it because I wasn't doing that from love right? Being Mr. Mom is a wonderful expression of love. I was doing it out of fear. Like if I don't act this way, no woman is going to want me. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have any of my own masculine presence, my own masculine security to say a woman would would want me for me, not just what I can do for her, right? So I wasn't doing it from love, but out of fear. And so she helped me see this, like, because I kept saying, where can I find a woman who's not like that? And she's like, that ain't the question, dude. As long as you think you're Roy the rescuer, you will always attract the damsel because they go together like cookies and milk. So if you want to get out of your pattern that change your shape, get rid of that nonsense that you feel like you have to be Mr. Mom to get a woman to, to like you. <laughs> it's like, if you can find your authentic self, the self that was there before you and your mother fucked it up. Okay. If -hmm. you can find that and we can bring that out, that's, that's more naturally you. That's not the fear-based thing you've been doing your whole life. Then you're going to, you will automatically, that shape will attract a whole different kind of shape. And so that's what I would say to people watching right now. If you've got a pattern, ask yourself, what is my shape that is attracting that dynamic? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then the trick is, again, don't point the finger at blame. Yeah. I must be showing up in a way that attracts that every single time. So if I change me, the whole, the movie changes, the whole thing changes. So that's a big piece of work I do with my clients is to help them discover their relationship persona. I Got was it. good boy. I was good boy, Roy. I was Roy, the rescuer. <laughs> and it. oh my God, was it a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing on time? I think we have, uh, uh, in about 10 minutes, we'll be up in an hour. Yeah, that'd good? be that'd be great. I can I can go another 10 minutes easily. Okay. Um, so when we first got into contact uh in one of our communications, the concept of law of attraction came up. You said yeah. it works and it should scare the hell out of you. Yep. Let's talk about that because I I'm a huge believer in the law of attraction. Yeah. I do episodes about it and in some of the 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 best dating books I've read touch on concepts of it. And I had I had uh, I don't know if you're familiar with him, uh, Dr. Robert Glover on. Yes, I think I know the name. Yeah, Yeah. he he wrote um, No More Mr. Nice Guy. That's probably his most famous book. And 
in one of his other books, he's talking about like abundance thinking and all this stuff. And it's, it goes hand in hand with concepts from, you know, law of attraction books. So when I asked him about it, I had him on the podcast, I asked him about it. He's like, yeah, I think law of attraction is BS. <laughs> and I was like, what? Cause this is like in your book. He's like, no, no, no. Like you need to have, you know, form these uh, or change your paradigm. He's like, but the, the concept of law of attraction, he's, he's like, I don't believe in it. So I, yeah. I, I wanted to get more okay. on, on your take. Great. Great. Um, I actually have a, I, by the way, I have my own podcast. It's, yeah. it's called the attracting lasting love podcast. And I have an episode called why the law of attraction will ruin your love life. Okay. Okay. But here's where I might differ from what you're saying with Glover. Yeah. Is that I think it does work. I, I agree. Yeah. It's just it could work against you. I agree with that. Right. So the issue is okay, the law, all the law of attraction means is like attracts like. Mm-hmm. It means birds of a feather flock together. Right. So whatever, whatever state of consciousness you're bringing into the world, whatever relationship fitness level you're moving at, you will attract someone who's on the same level. Yeah. So this is exactly what causes the Groundhog Day syndrome mm-hmm. because the law of attraction says like attracts like. So if I'm Roy the rescuer, the law of attraction is going to screw you because it's going to attract the, da- the damsel in distress. And you're mm-hmm. going to do that, that kind of codependent thing, right? So you can make the law of attraction work for you if you are growing and sort of getting in the healthiest shape of your life, because you can never attract a relationship that's healthier than you are, mm-hmm. right? You always attract at the same, it might not look like it, but when it gets right down to it, you know, a man and a woman can kind of look to be functioning different, but if they're together, right, then they're on the same wavelength. There, there's, a, there's a mutual level of consciousness or maturity or whatever kind of words you want to throw at it. So if you can't attract anyone healthier than you are, then if you want a healthier non-codependent relationship where drama is not the rule of the day, then you have to raise your fitness level. You have to become healthier yourself. And then you will draw from a healthier pool of women, I guess you could say. Right? Right. Right. So that's why I say the law of attraction works, but Dude, that could be scary because that's what's responsible for your patterns, right? But it can work for you if you're working on you and you're raising you know, your vibration, you know, you're you're yeah. you're raising your level of functioning and in consciousness and your level of presence, your level of emotional intelligence, your your ability to let go of the past. It, the more you are functioning like a superior man, as David Data would say, mm-hmm. you're going to attract a radiant woman. But if you're kind of operating mediocre, you're going to attract kind of mediocre, and then you're going to do that. And we've all done that. Yeah, we have all done that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So that's what I mean by it: is you just attract after your own level. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah, it, we're we're on the same page then. Yeah. And, and honestly, like when I got him to explain his take on it, yeah. I mean we're on the same page too. He just doesn't yeah. like the whole uh, mystical concept of, of it, you know, but yeah, well, <laughs> the, the law of attraction is something that has been so mishandled by many spiritual teachers. I mean, 
there is quite a bit of heresy and charlatans around the thing where they start to make it seem like if you think something all of a sudden, if you think about a hurricane, it's going to hit you. You know I mean? They, they take that whole manifestation thing to a weird, a weird place that no real sane person could ever entertain it. Right. Yeah. So that's kind of like off the deep end, but, but just on its face, it's just like, like attracts like, yeah. And and so if you deal with that, I think the law of attraction can can turn out to be a positive if you're raising your level. Yeah. 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 I agree with that. Um, let's see. We talked a little bit about your seven relationship muscles that you need to be strong uh, mm-hmm. if we're going to attract healthy, sustainable, intimate relationships. Um, I mean, you went into like, I think three of them. Did we, did we mm-hmm. miss any or did we get them? Yeah. All? There's like seven of them. So and that, and that's, your, in, that's in uh, your relationship boot camp right, book in, in the boot camp book right there. Yeah. Oh, okay. um, well, there's your relationship to reality. Okay. And by that, I mean, I, I like to ask my clients sometimes provocative questions like what's the real reason you're single? Mm-hmm. Okay. Cause if you ask most people like, why are you single? They're going to give you a reason. And it's not that it's not true, but there's probably a truer answer kind of under it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. There's a real reason, right? right? So when I talk about your relationship to reality, because what's what's the real reason you're not connecting? Or what's the real reason you want a relationship in the first place? That's a deep question. Most of us don't really recognize why we want a relationship in the first place. And that can get us going in weird ways. So there's that, there's that, which is hard to describe in a podcast because it's kind of complicated. There's a relationship to that voice you have in your head that if you haven't noticed, it's full of crap, the stories it tells and how it imagines things and makes up reasons like them. The mind is very uncomfortable with the unknown. Mm-hmm. It doesn't like to not know what's going to happen. Therefore, it will just start filling the blanks. Well, it could be this. And she, I, she didn't call me because of this. And and you get yourself all worried or whatever, or you're trying to calm yourself down, but your mind is just making things up. And if you haven't noticed, your mind is like a, a financial advisor that keeps giving you bad advice on stocks. It's wrong all the time, but we never think to fire that voice in the head and not listen to it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so, so that's a whole thing about dealing with y- your mind and its stories and how it interprets everything. It takes everything personal. Um, Right. So, and then there's the, the emotions and your uh, relationship to the past. There's a, a relationship to your inner energy, which is all that masculine feminine stuff. Mm-hmm. Cause right. The, Cause we all have both energies, but most of us are more at home in one than the other. Right. And most of us men don't know how to magnify that masculine presence and how to give it mm-hmm. because that's, what's most attractive to a feminine person. Right. So there's a lot of training and, and learning how to use those energies and understanding her energy. The more you understand kind of that she operates from a different perspective, that she has different priorities. She sees the world different. The more you understand that and can accept that she's not wrong, she's she's just a feminine creature, then you're able to relate with acceptance and compassion rather than doing what I did for years is. I think my way of everything is right. And now I'm going to try to change you into seeing it my way. Mm-hmm. That'll get you divorced. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, it will. <laughs> or dumped or yeah. cause lots of drama. Right. So we just need some skill on that one. Um, then there is a relationship to what I call your love stories. Um, 
we all come, I think it's a fascinating discussion. We all come out of our childhoods, our early adolescence, with, with sort of impressions about or stories about, well, this is what love and intimacy and relationships are all about. Like based upon what we saw in our family of origin or going on around us, oh, love is about power, right? Because my dad was controlling and mom was submissive. Ooh, I don't know if I want that, right? Or love is about pain because you saw people getting hurt around you. Dad cheated on mom, left the family, right? So you, you can come out of your childhood with all kinds of legitimate beliefs because you've seen that. But you can take that to be a truth, like, like that's what relationships are. They're about pain or performance or, um, yeah, power. Love is about control. Um, you know, love is smothering, right? There's all these, or love is about sex. So you can come out of your early days with those kind of beliefs or self-definitions. And most of them are so like, ew, that we can end up unconsciously sabotaging ourselves in relationship because why would I really want to get in a relationship with her when I know that she's going to try to control me? Mm -hmm. I'm going to lose my freedom by being with her. I can't be myself. I can't do what I want. I can't go out with the boys and watch a football game because when you were little, you saw your dad just get sort of henpecked or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so why am I single? Oh, I haven't met the right girl yet. No, maybe it's because you actually think a relationship would ruin your life. Now, if that's true, if we don't deal with that belief, because beliefs create reality mm-hmm. in a sense, if you think the earth is flat, you're not going to jump into the little dinghy and sail off into the sunset. <laughs> yeah. Right. So if you think love is going to smother me and control me and sort of limit my freedom, you won't let yourself get into a relationship or you'll pick women where it could never go that way anyway. You see what I mean? So these are the kind of things that we, we need to look at when we're finding out our love life isn't working, right? Do we have love stories and then all those other things. And, and so to tie in with this, and I'm sure we got just a second for this. um, We're talking about getting in relationship shape, right? Getting these relationship muscles strong, right? If they're strong, you can go the distance. Well, if you went to a gym and you wanted to get in great shape, the first thing any decent trainer would do is they would run, run you through a bunch of assessments to see where you are now. So, okay, if I know where you are now and I know where you want to get, okay, now I can put a program together and we're going to get there. That's what I do with my clients. Okay, I know where you want to get, right? You want to be in this beautiful relationship with a woman where your freedom isn't limited, it's celebrated, um, and yet you're connected and all that. Okay, that's what you want. What are we starting with? What kind of shape are you in now? <laughs> okay. mm-hmm. it, it, let's find that out because that's going to change the program that I put together. So on my website, coachingwithroy.com, and you might even link to it in the show notes. I will. Um, yeah. I, have a, I have something called the Relationship Fitness Self-Assessment Test. Okay. Right? It's a 30-question true-false test. Uh, it takes like three or four minutes to take. It's absolutely confidential. And unfortunately, it's very accurate. Okay. And I say that because most people find out that they need to get in better shape, that they're, some of the muscles are not very strong, which if your love life isn't purring like a kitten, that's the results you should get. I mean, I took the results, I wrote the test, but I sort of took the test from the mindset I had back 
before I worked with my coach. Mm-hmm. And I scored in the lowest category, of course, because my love life was a mess. Right. So I tell people, don't be surprised if you get negative results. It just means, okay, you're a bit out of shape. Fine. We'll just put a program together and four, six months, you can be a completely different person equipped with skills and abilities to relate with this creature that seems to be from another planet and make it really work. Right. But we got to find out where you are now. So I just invite people to be brave mm-hmm. and go to the website, coachingwithroy.com, take that test and uh, you'll get your results immediately. It'll put you in a new category. You'll either be ripped. Okay. Okay. Nobody, no, nobody has ever scored that. Uh, that. That just means you're, you're Jesus in a relationship. Okay. Yeah. And you're not. There's okay? always room for so, improvement. Sure. Right. Right. So you're ripped or you're skinny fat. Okay. Which means <laughs> you look pretty good, but you got, you know, yeah. or you're overweight or you're unhealthy or the category I was in was dangerously out of shape. Okay. okay. And most people are going to be down in the lower end of the spectrum. Um, unless your love life is really doing great. But then again, you wouldn't take the test because you wouldn't be listening to me. Right. You wouldn't be listening to the podcast. I'm going to tune into Paul when he has a different topic on because I'm killing it in this area. (laughs) So if you're listening to this, chances are you need to get in better shape. I'm just guessing. Yeah. All right. Yeah. We'll we'll definitely link to that in the show notes. Roy, this has been a a really great conversation. I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, Where where can people find you online besides... well, that's it. I mean, coachingwithroy.com is the hub of everything. Okay. There's links to my books on Amazon there. It, there's my phone numbers right on the homepage. You can text me if you want to have a conversation about coaching, right? I do a four month program. I won't go into, there's a lot involved because I put that program together to get you in shape. So I don't charge for that. We can just talk for a half an hour. I'll tell you what I do. I'll hear from you as to what you think is going on. And then I'll put a program together and tell you the price and we'll see, right? So that's always to be done for free. And you can find me, you know, through my website there, coachingwithroy.com. Okay. Sounds really good. Well, thank you very much, Roy. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Love to be out of you. That's great. Thank you. All right. See you later. Keep in touch. Roy, thanks for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. I'm going to post a link to all of your books in the show notes. I'm going to post a link to your website in the show notes as well, and a direct link to the free gift that you mentioned as well. Um, Very interesting conversation. I really appreciate you coming on. I appreciate that your people reached out to me to set this up. And if you have another book coming out or you want to talk about any other upcoming programs that you have, For you guys on YouTube, look at my cat back there. She's just driving me nuts tonight. All right, guys. Anyways, uh, yeah, so Roy, you're welcome back anytime. All right, guys. Man, my cats and my dogs are driving me nuts tonight. It's really hard to record this stuff, but uh, that's what happens, right? We will catch you guys next week. This has been the Come On Man podcast. New full episodes served hot every Monday morning on your favorite podcast platform of choice. So subscribe now. Follow Paul on social media. The links are in the description. Now, go out and get it.